0: All right, well, good morning. Hopefully some more will come in as we go along here. Um, well, I'm, In just a minute, I'm going to give you some time. I'm not, um, not going to give you like a specific opening question, but I'm just going to give you some time to just catch up with each other and see how everyone around your table is doing. Um, I'll just share how I'm doing. I feel like Exhausted, um, and I've been saying that for like the last week because uh, my husband was gone for a week, which he usually isn't gone, but um, for work, he was gone for a week. And I, I learned that I really need him more than I thought I did, which is good to know that, I like to, to experience that. But um, here, I thought with teaching this week, I thought, oh, he'll be gone all week. And you know, so that way, you know, each night I'll have like an hour or so I could work on my lesson, you know, and it'll be it'll be fine. I'll have all this time. And every night, like as soon as I put the kids to bed, I went to bed because <laughs> I was so tired. So he finally got back Monday, and so this lesson got done within like the last 48 hours. So <laughs> I finished at 2:30 this morning. So I am tired, but um, spiritually I'm doing great because I've spent a whole lot of time in God's word over the last two days. So. That's good but how are you doing at your table how are you doing physically how are you doing mentally uh, what's your state of mind today so just share that with each other uh, just catch up with each other for a little bit All right. it's kind of neat with this first um, how it came up this week in a, in a way a place I didn't expect uh, my this year my kids, are going to two different schools. My daughter, Lindsay, she goes to public school in Moline, and then my boys are going to St. Paul's Lutheran School in Moline. Um, It's a really tiny school, and it just fits them well. Uh, For this year, we had started off homeschooling, and then Lindsay transitioned really well to public school, but the boys just weren't quite there yet, Um, and so this is working out really well for them, but they have to learn a lot of verses there. Like, every day, there's a verse to learn, Um, and Tuesday. I pulled out their thing, and this was the verse that they were, they had to say that day. It's like, wow, that that's just so cool. How, you know, certain things that are on our minds—like we just see them everywhere—the um, way God's themes play out in our lives. But um, but this whole semester we've been talking about um, the kingdom of God, and so you know we just we're trying to clarify what that is, trying to to live that way, seek it out, um, and we know that we're supposed to seek out His kingdom and His righteousness. But in the world around us, and even in Jesus's time. The kingdom, the way Jesus defined the kingdom, wasn't what people really wanted to strive after. They really didn't understand it. They really didn't want to live that way. Um, And so two things that I kind of brought it down to that that people seem to strive after during that day and during our day is that um, we strive after or seek standards and status. And those are, um, it's not a fill-in or anything, but that's kind of what I call this lesson. Standard, status, or salvation. And so we're going to look at these two things. The first half of our time together, we're going to look at how people seek standards um, instead of the kingdom. And then the second half, we're going to talk about how people seek status over the kingdom. Um, and just kind of what that looks like. And this theme has kind of been going through my head over the past week. But it's interesting because as I as I wrote it out, the scriptures that I thought I was going to use it turned out to be really different, and so it just kind of. Turned out differently than I thought. Um, so, we're going to use a lot of scripture today. And actually, um, I'm going to ask for help today. When Megan did the one lesson where she brought people up and we were playing games, we thought that was so fun to have more like participation to make it, you know, not just about who's up here speaking, but about all of us. So, today, as we go through I'm going to be asking for people to um, read scripture. And um, you can, the, the parts that I'll ask you to read are the ones that are in bold. So like, on the next page, there's like four of them, and then there's couple more. There's probably, I think, like six altogether. So just keep that in mind. If you'd like to read, um, I'll just bring the microphone to you and you can just read it right from your table. But I thought it might be neat to kind of hear other voices and um, you know, so we can all kind of participate um, since, it, you know, it's not a sermon, it's a Bible study that we're doing together. So, um, but let's take a look at um, the definition for standards. Um, you know, you go on the internet and just look up a definition and here's what came up for standards. Um, it's that standards are a level of quality, achievement, etc., that is considered acceptable or desirable. Um, it's ideas about morally correct and acceptable behavior, something that is very good and that is used to make judgments about the quality of other things. So, um, this word standards isn't really, you know, in our New Testament scripture, but it's that idea that that's what people want to know. They want to know, okay, what's the standard for, you know, eternal life? What's the standard for, for what does God expect of me? And last week we talked about forgiveness and Peter, when he came up asking Jesus, you know, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? And, and Jesus clarified that. He was basically asking, okay, what's the standard for forgiveness? You know, what, how many times do I have to forgive somebody to meet your standard? And, and this, it wasn't just Peter who would ask Jesus these things. People were always asking Jesus, okay, what's the standard when it comes to this? Like, what, what do I have to reach? What's the minimum or maximum? Or, or where do I fall in on this to make sure I'm okay, to make sure I, I get, in, um, you know, get in your kingdom? And so here I just kind of listed out some that, that I found as I was going through Matthew. In Matthew 15, 2, um, the Pharisees come up and they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. You know, this is a standard. Why aren't you keeping this standard? Uh, in Matthew 19:3. they ask, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And they're, you know, they're trying to get, okay, what's the standard when it comes to marriage and divorce? Okay, you know, what, what's the, how do I meet that? In Matthew 19:17. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? And that was, you know, the rich young man, um, you know, talking about, you know, which commandments do I have to follow so that I make sure I get eternal life? Uh, Matthew twenty-two seventeen. 17, they try to trap him and trick him with this question about taxes. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, you know, what's the standard with money? How do we use our money? And, of course, Jesus always had the best answer. Um, in Matthew 22, 36, Um, He's asked, which is the greatest commandment? You know, if you had to list out all the commandments, which is at the top? You know, so so if we know what's at the top, you know, we'll just work on those two, and, and the other ones don't really matter. And so it's just all these questions about what's God's standard? How do I live up to his standards? And so around our tables, talk about why do you think people want to know God's standards so much? Why is that such a big deal? Maybe back then, or is it a big deal now? You know, what do you think about that? And then how do you view God's standards? Are you always, um, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what does God expect of me? How do I, how am I going to be good enough for God? Um, Or do you, have there been times in your life you've kind of blown off God's standards? I don't know, just have a little discussion about um, standards. Alright, well let's go ahead and take a look at um, Jesus' answers about standards. Uh, You don't have to turn to this one, but uh, last week, like I said, we talked about forgiveness. And Peter was trying to figure out, okay, Jesus, what's your standard when it comes to forgiveness? And Jesus gave him a really great standard. He said, forgive others the way God forgives you. That forgiveness is supposed to be an act of mercy. That's the fill in there. Forgiveness is an act of mercy. We, you know, we saw how in the video and in the passage, we saw, you know, the the manager or the, the king or whoever was in charge extended mercy to the one who was so in debt that it was impossible for them to pay back what they owed. And that's that's how we are to forgive, as an act of mercy. The, the person probably doesn't deserve our forgiveness, but we're supposed to, to do that as an act of mercy, because that's how God forgives. And so it's not about how many times we give. There's not a number or a formula. It's just forgiving the way God forgives. And so um, let's take a look at two other um, scriptures that where Jesus responds about, um, about standards. So the first one um, is actually in Mark so let's turn there, and then would anyone like to read that one?
1: <laughs> Over here? Okay. Oh, can
0: you tell your name first so we can get to know each other?
1: Hi, I'm Terry Cost. Okay, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well, said teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions.
0: Good, thank you. And you can just mute that so it turns orange. You can just keep that at your table and then we'll get it passed around for the next one. So, um, So the greatest commandment, out of all the commandments, you know, he was probably thinking like the Ten Commandments, you know, which of those are, are the most important? Maybe he was thinking about more because there were a lot of other commandments too. But Jesus brings it down to the fact that the most important thing is love. Um, that's the fill in there, but you probably already knew that. The most important thing is love. And I love how he, I like this version, um, there's this the same interaction in Matthew, but I like how this one ends and how at the end Jesus says, you know, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Like, that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about this list of rules. It's about leaning towards love, and that that's the most important thing. Uh, Let's look now at this passage in Matthew, Matthew 19. Um, So would somebody like to take the microphone from Terry and read the next one for us? You can just stay right at
2: your table. (laughs)
3: Come
0: Alright. Can you introduce yourself real quick? Oh yeah, push the mute, so it's green.
4: Sharon Hayes. All right. And you. it's Matthew nineteen, sixteen through twenty-six. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What you asked me about what is good, Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved jesus looked at them and said with this with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible thank you
0: so the man you know he's he's trying to see what's the standard what's this good standard um in another Gospel, he calls Jesus good. Like he sees, there's goodness in Jesus. He sees there's goodness in these commandments. So, what good thing? What's the standard to get eternal life? And so, you know, they go through the conversation about all the commandments. Okay, but what else? You know, um, what do I? What do I need to do? And so, Jesus's answer is not another rule to follow, but it's sell your possessions, give to the poor, then come follow me. Just follow me, like. That's it. Like, do what I do. Follow me. You've got to give up all this other stuff. You know, you can't follow me if you're holding on to all these things. Just follow me. And we don't really like that answer because it's, it's just, we can't, like, check it off. You know, following someone is, is just different than following rules because you have to go where they go and, and stay close to them and stay connected to them. Um, but that's, Jesus, that's the way Jesus wants to live in the kingdom is, is to just follow him. But it's interesting how it goes on. You know, the man walks away, and he, he doesn't decide to do that. And the disciples are, are you know, wondering, you know, what? Well, it's, Jesus says, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and the disciples are just confused by that. Um, but here, sorry, let me give you the fill in here. So the point is, we think righteousness is about meeting God's standards, But we can't meet God's standards. Like the rich, you know, he says, the rich man, you know, he can't get into heaven because he's so stuck on all these things. He can't ever um, follow me the way I want him to. He just, he can't meet my standards. Um, And so the disciples say, well, who then can be saved? You know, is it impossible? Maybe none of us can reach your standards. This is, you know, this is too hard. Is this impossible? And Jesus says, with, well, with God, all things are possible. There, there is a way to meet the standard of following me, but it's, it's through me, and it's through a different way. Um, and turn to Romans, because Paul explains this well. Um, in Romans chapter 3, 9 through 24. Somebody want to read that one? I know these are kinda long, but Lana
2: Shields. Thank you. What shall we What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin, as it is written. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But that came by Jesus Christ. Thank you. So as we read this, we just realize, you know,
0: there is no unrighteous. We're horrible people. We're never going to reach God's standards. Even if we think we're pretty good, if, if that's what we're basing our rewards on or eternal life on, um, you know, if that's how we're going to get to heaven, by being good and doing good works, like, we're never going to do good enough and we're never going to be perfect enough to follow the law. And so, our righteousness comes from God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Our righteousness comes from God. It's not coming from these standards. That's why, you know, in that verse in the beginning, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It's not about how righteous we are, it's about accepting His righteousness, um, His mercy to us, and it's just all about Him. And the problem is that people often have a hard time grasping this truth because they don't see it lived out in the lives of Christians. And I think, you know, there's so many religious people in our world, and religion is about rules and standards, and, you know, you do this every day, or you do, you do that, and that's how, um, you know, you, you know that you're doing well, because of what you do. But when it comes to Christianity, it's supposed to be about this kingdom living and this following God and and just being like Him. But a lot of times we don't live like that. We maybe know it and we'll agree about it, but um, we don't always live it out. Um, Turn to Matthew 23. Um, I'm going to read this one. Because this is what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and the Sadducees, all those groups of people. That's why they kept coming to Jesus, asking these questions, because that's all they cared about, was this law. And they didn't understand God's grace and forgiveness and and His righteousness. They were depending on their own. And Jesus called them out on that all the time. Um, In this part, Jesus says, "...the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do." for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So, you know, they're just, they're saying, okay, do this, do this, do this. And with everything they're doing, they're just burdening the people down. And the people, you know, that's not the way to live. That's not life the way God wants us to live, um, to be burdened down by those things. And i 11, uh, Matthew 11, I put it on your notes here, this verse that most of us know so well, and it's just so refreshing when you, when you read this, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, you know, you're burned down from all these rules, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, you, Jesus is saying, I'm not putting these standards on you and making you do all these things. I just stand up, You know, get those things off, stand up and just follow me and stay with me and, and connect with me and, and just be my follower. And that's what Jesus expects of us in the kingdom. And um, a really good illustration of this is in Luke. Um, we're just going to read one more section and I'll let you talk. Um, but just this, it's like a... a physical, you know, just a picture of being burdened and then just Jesus setting us free. So turn to Luke um, 13, uh, 10 through 17. All right, I need somebody to read that one. Anyone? Bonnie, were you? Here we get over. Oh, did I skip the play? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the teacher, so the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were burdening people, but uh, Christ came to set us free, is what I was going to say there. To set us free. And so this is what we're going to see in this um, story here, how how he sets us free. Okay, I'm
3: bonding Am I okay. on? Yep, yep, oh, I can okay. hear you. Let's see. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free from the, on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Thank you.
0: And can you believe those people here? This lady, for 18 years she's been, you know, burdened or, you know, crippled. And they get all upset because he healed her on the Sabbath. Like... Are you crazy? Like, that is so wrong. Like, Jesus healed her and set her free after 18 years. That is something to celebrate. And that's that's why Jesus came. You know, we are all crippled by these rules, and we're under these standards, but Jesus came to just set us free, and we have to live like that, and we have to allow people, other people to live like that, um, and not... Be like, well, you, you know, you're not supposed to do this today. Or, you know, I don't know. We pick at people about things instead of just realizing Jesus is trying to set them free. And we need to help them, you know, help that happen and and just be a part of that and celebrate that. Um, so talk a little more, you know, your reaction maybe to that story um, around your tables. And talk about, do you feel bound and burdened by standards? Or was there a time in your life, maybe you aren't now, but maybe there was a time in your life you were. Um, and, um, or do you really feel set free by God's mercy and you feel like, I can live in, just, I'm living in the freedom to just follow God the way he wants me to. Um, you know, talk about your journey with that. And then, um, you know, how do we live this out so other people know that it's not about meeting standards, it's about following Jesus? How do we live that out so people know that? So just take some time to, to go over all that. All right, well, we better move along here. Let's, let's go ahead uh, to the second half of this now, and we're going to talk about uh, seeking status now. And how this is a lot of times what people are after rather than God's kingdom. So the definition of status is the position or rank of someone or something when compared to others in a society, organization, group, etc. Means a high position or rank in society uh, or the official position of a person or thing according to the law. So it's all about position, where we are, uh, where we rank. And this, we can see this a lot in our culture. Everyone, you know, wants wants to rank way up high. You know, even like with the Oscars this past weekend. I didn't watch them, but you know, they're. If you watch the news the next day, it's all over. And you know, people are so concerned about getting that that status of winning an Oscar, and um, it's that's what they're after, and that's what our world seeks um, to be recognized like that. Um, and even, you know, I think of like this word status with um, Facebook and how that is a word, you know, what's your status. Um, and really, it, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, it's really all about comparison. When you read someone else's, like if they're having a bad day, you think, oh, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not having that bad of a day or, or I'm having a worse day than them. And it's like all about comparison and ranking and, and stuff. So it's just all over with, with status and, and how you rank. Um, so just like people ask Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus was also questioned about who was the greatest in the kingdom. We see this in Matthew 18 1. Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Tell us who ranks on top in your kingdom? And of all people, it was the disciples who were asking this. Um in several, well, a few different places in the Bible we see. The, the disciples were really concerned about this. One time they were arguing about it on the road. One time James and John and their mother you know, were asking about, you know, you know, in your kingdom, can we sit at your right and left hand? Can we be your right and left hand men? And they, they really wanted to be great in God's kingdom and be ranked um, up high. And uh, we're going to look at a list of the disciples' names listed out here, and I wonder if they ever thought, you know, someday when people write about us, you know, how are they going to list us out? Who are they going to put first? Who are they going to put last? Where, where's my name going to be on that, on that list? And in um, Mark, here's a list of their names. Um, they're listed like this. Simon, it seems like he always came first. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Je- Zebedee, and his brother John, To them he gave the name, I don't know, which means sons of thunder, um, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. And so a lot of times it was like Simon, James, John, you know, they were listed a lot. We know a lot about them. So their status maybe seems more important. Someone like Thaddeus, like I have no clue who Thaddeus was, really what he did. And, you know, he's kind of way there down at the bottom. So does that mean he didn't do much? Or, you know, what what what's that rank all about? And so the disciples were pretty concerned about that. And they, they wanted to know how they ranked. Uh, well, just to lighten things up a little bit, we're going to do a little um, kind of ranking list activity together. Um, and for this, I need to make sure there's enough people at each table, so if the, the group of three and two, if you guys, just for this part, if you want to combine, and then Cheryl, if you two want to come up here maybe, just so there's more people to make this work better. Um, I should have had note cards on your table for this, but you'll have to just find a place um, on on your note guide somewhere to write. But each of you around your table, you're going to make a list of the people um, of, at your table. You're going to rank each other. But each person is going to rank... Like, it's not, it's like superficial things, like, um, so, um and so we're going to like, we're going to make a list, I shouldn't say rank, we're going to make a list of everybody, but each person at your table is going to make a list in a different way, like this, like remember that day we lined up according to birthday months, well maybe you could, one person at your table maybe could, um, make a list of everyone at your table, starting with, okay, who's in Jan- whose birthday's in January, they come first, Whose birthday's in February, they come next. And so maybe, and so one person might do that, okay? Um, maybe another person might write down um, your years at at Heritage. Uh, like, how many years have you been here? So the person, maybe, who's been here the longest, they would, you would write them down first, and then the next person, the next person. Um, another one might be just, you know, something superficial, like, how many siblings do you have, you know, if you come. From a big family start with, you know if you have ten siblings, you're first, and then you go on down the line. Uh, maybe who's married the longest? Um, maybe maybe just like the letters in your name, if you can't think of something. Uh, like whoever has the longest name, and then go down to the shortest name. Uh, so what I want So each tab- each person at your table, I want you to write your own list. So, like at this table, like Cheryl might write, she might write her list of birthdays. So, on her turn, she say, okay, write when's your birthday, and she'll make a list. And then the next person, okay, let's find out how long you were all at Heritage, and she's going to make her list. So, each person's going to make a different list. And these are just ideas you can come up with another list, but make it just superficial, something not about their character or something like, just something superficial. Does that make sense? Okay, so take a few minutes to do that. So on every list, your name is is in a different spot. So it depends who made the list, right? It, on where where you're going to end up, or what this what the standard is. I can use that word again of, of you know where you're going to be. Are you going to be first or last? And so whose list are we talking about? And and the disciples wanted to know Jesus' list. Um, flip. As we talk about this list of disciples, talk, um, sorry, flip to Matthew 10. I'll just read these couple verse, verses here that were uh, Matthew lists out the disciples. And they're pretty much the same. He starts with Simon, he ends with Judas. And then there's just a couple things that are a little bit different in between. But for the most part, this is how the disciples were always listed. Um, let me find it. Okay, right, Matthew 10. Two through four. So you just kind of look there. You know, these are names of 12 apostles. Simon starts out there. But then look down. um, Matthew's kind of in the middle there. And look at when he makes the list. I thought this was interesting. And and maybe this isn't the way he meant it to be, but it made me think of something. Um, He put Matthew the tax collector when he wrote um, his name in the list. So Mark Mark didn't put that. um, But Matthew, about himself, he put Matthew... The tax collector. And, you know, some of the other ones, there were, like, little clarifications about who they were, son of so-and-so. Or, and so maybe Matthew was just, like, clarifying who he was. But when I read that, what kind of stood out to me was, like, maybe he put that in there to be, like, can you believe I made this list? Like, I'm a tax collector, and I made the list. And, like, he's just, he doesn't care where he is on the list. He's just really happy that he's on the list. And, and that's how we should be, too, as Christians. Like, it doesn't matter where we are on the list. Like, we just need to be happy we're on the list, that God called us at all. Um, and that's something, uh, Matthew 9, 9 through 12. Oh, wait, no. Oh, Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, we're going to look at something later. but um, let, So, you know, that's, that's what we really need to be um, concerned about. So just um, real quick, let's go ahead and look at um, this passage where Matthew is called, this tax collector, this unlikely person to make this list of disciples. Um, and this is a shorter passage. Would anyone like to read this one? Bonnie has the microphone. It's just Matthew 9, uh, 9 through 12. Anybody in her area want to grab that? Please. Oh,
3: where?
0: Tell us your name. Oh, it should be green. I'm
2: Michelle Moon. And as Jesus passed, forth from thence he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the seat of custom and he saith unto him follow me and he arose and followed him and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house behold many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples and when the pharisees saw it they said unto his disciples why eateth your master with publicans and sinners but oh, when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, "They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick."
0: Thank you. All right. So, here's two things that I just want to point out with with this situation of Jesus and the, and um, calling Matthew, and then also just hanging out with other tax collectors and other sinners. Um, and is that Jesus desires desires mercy. Jesus desires mercy. Um, in my version, it says at the end, uh, where is it? So after about not, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but sick, um, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, so Jesus desires mercy, so the focus on is on his work and not ours. Because if it's all about us meeting standards, it's all about us doing so well that we've achieved some certain status, then it's, then it's about us, and it's supposed to be about him and his mercy, um, and him calling us. And um, so Jesus came to call sinners, not the righteous, so that we can discover his righteousness, righteousness, not our own. So he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not your own. You may think you're righteous, and you may think you belong on the top of the list, but my righteousness is different, and um, and I'm I'm not calling you then. If if you think you've got it all together, and you think you're already on the top of the list, I'm going to call those who know that they're at the bottom of the list, and um, you know, in the world's eyes, and and that's who I want. Uh, so, round your tables. Uh, what was your situation when Jesus called you to follow Him? Um, how do you see God's mercy extended to you? Has God used your testimony to attract other people like you to Himself, so they can find? mercy too, you know, how can, you know, Matthew was a tax collector, you know, what, how would you describe yourself when, when Jesus called you, you know, I look at my life, and, you know, and I feel like Jesus calling me, like, I was just, like, a shy, like, insecure nobody, and like, Jesus, you know, said, come call me, <laughs> okay, you know, so, and so that's why I, like, I seek out other people who are maybe feel that way, that I can relate to. Because it's like, come on, if, if Jesus can and put me up here, he can put, <laughs> who are we talking to over here? Um, you can put you up here, you know? Like, that's what we need to do, is to reach out to others and say, come on, like, Jesus wants you. So talk about your situation um, and God's <laughs> All right, we better get to the last page here, so we have time for it. Alright, so all the disciples were, you know, they were kind of nobodies when Jesus called them, you know, they were fishermen, you know, maybe they might have been successful fishermen, but they were were fishermen, you know, tax collectors, um, just regular people, Um, and God called them, but once we are called and are living in the power of God, it still can be tempting, um, even after that, to start seeking a higher status, even you know within God's kingdom. We, we know that that we were saved as sinners, uh, but now God has, has brought us into his kingdom, and, and he's starting to really work in our lives and give us power and helping us figure out our gifts and our talents. And then it's still, even in the kingdom, it's it's easy to start to feel like, Oh, cool. I'm like rising up in rank somehow. Uh, And the disciples kind of felt that too. But it's interesting that Jesus always had a good way of keeping them grounded. Um, I'm going to read this passage in Luke, Luke chapter 10. Here Jesus was sending out uh, the disciples, uh, you know, giving, he was giving them his power to like, cast out demons and to heal people and to do all these things and so um so they were really um doing some neat things Um, this is what the conversation when they returned from that. Um, and se- verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name." Like, wow, this is so cool! Like, you have given us this power and it's working. And um, and you notice know, there, but you know, the disciples were pumped up about their power. Like, this is so cool that we're we're driving out demons. You know, you must really think a lot of us that you would entrust us with this much power. Um, but here's what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So he's recognizing, yes, I have given you this power. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so I, I just love that because it's like, you know, your, your joy and what you get excited about in God's kingdom, it's not about that you're moving up in status in his kingdom. Rejoice that you're just in his kingdom. Like, that's great. That That's where our joy should come from. Um, just like when David prayed, you know, after um, when he was repenting from his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband. And, you know, he had used his status as king to do some pretty bad things. And he lorded his power over these people to get what he wanted. But in his repentance, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation Psalm 51:12 is where that comes from restore to me the joy of your salvation that's where our, our joy should come from that's what we need to to return to is just remember you know God God is he wants to use us in great ways and he has so much power that he wants to to bestow on us and freedom to give us but but that's not where our joy and our identity should come from. It should come from just the fact that we're saved, that He has saved us and extended His mercy to us. Uh, this past Christmas when uh, they were doing the sermon series, like the Advent series, and each week was, you know, like faith, hope, joy. Um, the one about joy really stood out to me. Jason um, taught that one, and, and it was pretty much just his definition that I, that I remembered um, that joy was responding to God's grace. And that just really like, opened my eyes in a, in a new way about joy. Because I'm, I've always known joy isn't a feeling. But I've just never felt like I've really grasped what joy is. Right? I feel like other people maybe have more joy than I do. And like I just wanted more joy. But, but really joy is just responding to God's grace. And that just should fill us. Just with, with that, that joy that you can't describe. That God has chosen to extend his mercy to us. Um, so just think about this. We're not going to talk about this one around our tables. But you know, do you seek to find joy in your status or in your salvation? Where does, where does that joy come from? And it's, it's good to be happy about where God has placed us in life. And to, to feel good and purposeful. Um, but don't let all your joy rest in your status. Make sure that it's, it's grounded in your salvation, because all those other things can be ripped away from us. You know, we can, we can lose our status as a leader, lose our status as a mother if something happens to our children, you lose our status as a wife if something happens to our husband. You know, all those things can be taken from us, but the one thing that can't is our salvation. And so that's, um, that's where it's all at. So, um, a final thought here, we're going to actually end in Revelation today, which I didn't expect to end up there, but um, it's just neat how, how it all kind of worked out. But, um, what I want to think about is, what matters in the end should change how we live our lives now? So, as we live out this kingdom life, you know, we need to think about, okay, what what really matters to God? And what really matters in the end when all is said and done? Is it going to be about standards? Is it going to be about status? Um, you know, what, what is that going to be like? What, does, what matters to God? Because whatever it is, that needs to change how we live our life now. Um, it was funny, this morning when I was... Um, getting dressed, I was like, oh, I don't know what to wear. And you know, you look in your closet and it's like, oh, like, and I was tired. And like, I didn't care. But um, I knew afterward, um, my friend Rochelle and I were going to go to the ball and go walking. And I thought, oh, I'll just wear something comfortable. <laughs> because I, cause I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to do later. And then as I was getting ready, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, that's what we should be doing. We should be thinking about you know, it doesn't matter what you think I look like now. Like, I'm going to go walking, and I want to be comfortable for that. Like, it doesn't matter what people think of us now or how how we look to people. What matters is in the end, and that's how we need to dress. <laughs> like, we need to dress for what's coming. We need to portray what's coming you know um, margie talked about like the wedding clothes we need to be sure those are the clothes because in the end there's going to be this great banquet and we need to be dressed for that banquet and we need to make sure um we have that on so let's look at um, this passage in revelation let's look at what's going to happen at the end and how how we will be judged how our lives will be judged will it be on standards will it be on status we know it's not um, but let's look at this passage here and if i could get one more person to help us read it. Um, Revelation 20. I don't know where the microphone is. Oh, up here. <laughs> okay, anyone? One more person. Alright, thank you.
1: Hi, I'm Tanya. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it.
0: The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire.
1: The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire.
0: Okay, thank you. All right. So there's a lot about Revelation that is just so over my head, and maybe you feel like that too when you read it. Um, but this passage is really interesting um, about these books and, and you know about judgment at the end. And here's just some some thoughts from this passage um what it says here is that all will stand before judgment the great and the small it doesn't matter who you are you're everyone is going to come before the lord in judgment Um, and each person will be judged according to their own life not in comparison with others so he's not going to take your table and say, okay, let's compare you to the other ladies at your table, and whichever one comes out on top, you know, you get to come to heaven. Um, You know, it's not, it's about each one of us individually. That's why we we have to stop comparing ourselves so much, because that's just not how it's going to be in the end. Um, He's not going to compare us to anybody else. It's it's about our life. Um, And then they'll be record books, and I don't know, you know, with Revelation, if, you know, what's literal, what's, you know, stands for something else, I don't know, but it's just interesting, these uh, these books, and so I was thinking about this, and thinking about, oh, you know, okay, so there's all of these books, so let's say, um, so let's say there's like this book of status at the end, okay, and there's this book of standards, and so the book of status you know, within it it tells, you know, all the people who were on top and, and it lists us out. And so um, so let's say you're really counting on, you know, getting into heaven because of your status, where you rank. And so, you know, you get to the end and Jesus is looking through and he's like, that, that, you know, well actually you're like way down here. There were a lot of other people who came ahead of you. And so, um, you know, I'm sorry, you're too far down on the list, you know, you can't come and, and so if you're basing your whole life on being in the book of status that's not going to be what gets you into heaven. That's not going to be um, us being thrown out. I think it actually says that. Um, or maybe not. But, um, you know, just that, that doesn't matter. Well, what about the book of standards? You know, okay, you know, I did all these great things and, you know, I followed all these laws. Um, you know, my, my name's got to be up there pretty high. I was pretty good. There are a lot of worse people in the world than I was. Um, but, nope, sorry, you didn't, you didn't really meet all the standards. You messed up here, you messed up there. So, sorry, you're not going to get it. Uh, so, sorry. So, what matters is not if you're in either of those books. It matters if you're in the book of life. Um, and it matters if, if you're saved. And it doesn't matter, you know, when you were saved or, or where or, or, you know, how old you were. Just that you were saved and that your name is in the book of life. And so, this is what matters at the end. Then this is what should matter now. And this is this should define our lives as our salvation and and helping other people so that they understand that it's about their name being written in the book of life. Um and so I know there was was a there's a kid's movie called The Book of Life recently. I don't know what's it about what it's about, but I'm guessing it's not about the true book of life. Um because this is what matters. Um so just as just a final conversation here around your tables, um, You know, maybe ask this, I think we assume everyone, you know, we know, or everyone here knows that their name is in the book of life, but, but do you, can you say, can you say today, yes, my name is in the book of life, God has saved me, I believe I'm following, like, I know my name is in there. Are you confident of that? And then how can you spread this good news of salvation to others? Because that's what the kingdom is about, so that other people's names will be written in the book of life too, um. So, so is your name there, and then how can you live this out so others know this too, so that they're not living their life by standards and status, because um, in the end that's not going to hold up. Um, so talk about that just in advance, and then uh, I'll end with. Prayer. All right, well, I'll go ahead and end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good to us, and. I thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness, um, just in this lesson, and your your mercy you extended to me, and um, and I just pray that 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 got communicated today, and and I pray um, that you will just help us seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and just keep that um, in the forefront, Lord, and, and to not worry about status or standards, and, and help us find joy in that, and and really just. I don't just let us live like that, Lord, and um, and help us just live in the freedom of that. You have said to all of us, women, you are free, and um, just help us live in your freedom to not to not worry about um, about what the world thinks, but to to seek your kingdom and um, and just keep following after you. We love you in Jesus' name, Amen. (laughs) Maureen, do you notice your name up here? (laughs) Oh yeah, who has the mic? Where's the? Didn't get it to work. It just has to be green. Laura, you can use this one. Hello? Oh, there you go. (laughs)